This is Strategy That Works, where we discuss practical solutions to companies' most complex challenges. I'm your host, Robert Amberg, Chief Marketing Officer at JVM Consulting. Let's dive in. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking about personality profiles, specifically the DISC profile system and how leaders can help their teams recognize and work within profiles for better communication, efficiency, and teamwork. We're joined today by Bill Jagrowski, JBN Consulting's current Chief Operating Officer and longtime management consultant. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's maybe just start with the basics. What is a personality profile and how do they come about? A uh, personality profile is, is basically <clears throat> any way to group or, or characterize an individual. And, uh, you know, they've been around in various forms for a long time. Uh, the ancient Greeks, uh, Empedocles, had a model that talked about the elements. So he uh, aligned people's profiles to, you know, earth, fire, water, air. And uh, Hippocrates had the four temperaments. So sanguine, choleric, melancholic, phlegmatic. There were, you know, so that's been around for thousands of years. Uh, and then really in the 20th century, you had uh, different models emerge out of psychology. So it was a field that was kind of gaining a lot of traction. So in fact, one of the ones that most people are familiar with, the Myers-Briggs type indicator, that came out of um, uh, Carl Jung's writing. So he he kind of put... Uh, you know, people into this notion, uh, how do they, um, how do they receive responses and kind of think or process stuff? And, and Myers-Briggs is kind of based on that. Um, and then in the twenties, the there's a guy named William Marston who started to talk about uh, the emotions of normal people, again, a psychologist, and that emerged out of that emerged the, um, the disc profile, which is another very, very popular one um, that kind of divides people into four categories. And then I think the, the most recent, um, uh, model that's come out is something known as the big five, which basically looks at five dimensions and you kind of put people on a bell curve along these five different dimensions. So all in all, these are just different models to try and help people understand, you know, how do different personalities interact with, uh, uh situations? How do they process data? How do they think? And, in, and the theory is if you understand that, then you can work better with people, whether that's in a work environment or, in your personal life. Yeah, it make, makes a lot of sense. And so like when we look at the different models, um, I mean, I know you just gave a quick highlight of, of some of their differences, but from a practical application standpoint, do some work in, uh, better for different situations? Um, like you mentioned hiring versus uh, kind of a personality aptitude, you know, what, what's kind of the, the, the main differences there? Well, I think, I mean, uh, there's, you know, each model is a little bit different. I, I, my, my personal view is that if you look at something like Myers-Briggs, that, that is much more a model focused on how people think and feel. And something like the DISC profile or the, the Big Five really focuses on um, observable behavior of how people act. And so um, I think as we've gotten better at observable science and kind of a little bit more objective measures, some of those act-based models tend to be a lot more empirical. Um, but, you know, there are devotees of, of all these different models and you'll encounter them uh, depending on what kind of uh, company you're working with or what kind of culture the, the, the company has. Cool. So today we're going to focus a little bit more on DISC. Yeah. So uh, break that down for us. Uh, give us a little background on what, 
what is DISC? What's it stand for? Yeah. So DISC, uh, it, it essentially groups people into four categories, uh, dominance, influence, steadiness, and compliance. So the, the, the phrase DISC, D-I-S-C, is basically the first letter of, of the model, each of those different categories. And um, what you essentially do is you, you based on that person's uh, personality or how they're going to act in different situations, they're, you know, the dominance idea is, you know, this person who's sort of extroverted, fast paced, very direct uh, influence is also extroverted, but they tend to be a little bit more people oriented, big idea kind of folks. Uh, steadiness is, you know, uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, introverted, but they're, they're more focused on long-term relationships and this notion of stability. And then compliance is, is more introverted, you know, very focused on tasks and um, data and, you know, precision. Mm -hmm. And most people are probably made up of all of these to some extent. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good point. When, whenever you get into these, um, you know, it's a model. And, and the, the truth is that, you know, people fall on a bell curve on a distribution, right? And uh, so in different situations, people might exhibit um, one kind of style and in other situations, they might uh, exhibit a different style. And the reality is that that nobody is pure one of these four things, right? So nobody is just a pure dominance or a pure compliance. They're going to be various mixtures of those different things. And some of those things are counter to each other. But um, in essence, we're, you know, people are uh, a mixture of those, but they might ex express or show one of those different uh, personalities more commonly than they would another. Sure. And <clears throat> we didn't really kind of get, without getting into the, the you know, deep specifics of this, you know, how uh, you mentioned this is like observable behavior and whatnot. How, how does someone determine what they are? Is this, is this a, a observable uh, like a professional observes someone or they have to take a test? Um, you know, how is that determined? Yeah. Typically what you'll see is um, you'll see a, a, a survey that's done. So you'll fill out a survey and it'll say, okay, well, which of these words uh, describe you and kind of how much do they describe you? But some of the models will also have other people do that um, where they'll, they'll have other people describe. So I'm going to do an assessment of Rob, but I'm going to ask, you know, five people who work with Rob, how would you describe uh, Rob? No, the idea being that sometimes how people describe themselves or think of themselves isn't consistent with how other people observe or see them. So, so typically to, to the question, um, it's, a, it's a series of questions that you go through and a lot of times it's adjectives or words that describe how does this people, how does this person act in a specific situation? Um, and then from that, you, you know, there's correlations drawn from, you know, those descriptions and those words to the different pieces of the model. Um, and that's generally how you kind of get a read on somebody from a, from a response standpoint. Now sure. there's, there's a subjective way, which is just the old fashioned way, which is just to observe people. And, you know, you can certainly pick up a lot by doing that. And, and really one of the concepts is if you have any of these models in the back of your head and you're observing, um, their behavior on your own, you can usually, uh, make a read on that person and, uh, have a better understanding based on things that they exhibit traits that they exhibit of some of their preferences and things that they, you know, might react to better or re react poorly to. Sure. Um, so 
where, where is that usually uh, uh, personified in real life? Like, where, where can we see an example of that? How do you, how do you mean? Well, like, uh, you know, you observe someone, okay. um, you know, uh, we, we were talking earlier uh, about how um, sometimes you can assign people a, a personality type based on uh, a character of some side. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a trick that I employ because there's so many models and so many different things floating around that, that to me, the, one of the easiest things to do is if you can kind of personify, uh, in the case of disc, right? If you personify each of those four profiles with an individual, that just makes it easier for me on how I should actually think or respond to that person. Mm -hmm. So for example, dominance, you know, I assign, uh, the way General Patton is portrayed mm -hmm. in the the movie Patton, so I think is George C. Scott plays that role. Yep. Uh, you know, so very extroverted, fast paced, direct kind of person. You know, he um, very forceful, big ego, ambitious driving, mm -hmm. which is you know a great trait for a general trying to move. Uh, you know, a bunch of soldiers across Europe to deliberate it, right? So, right. so that's kind of when I meet people who I think maybe exhibit traits comparable to how Patton is, well, mm -hmm. then that makes me go back and think about, okay, well, how do you deal with somebody like that? And, and generally, you know, you're going to want to be efficient. You're going to be clear and concise. You want to emphasize results and the bottom line. Um, and generally you want to provide them with options, not opinions. And they're going to really, because they, they want to make a decision and just move quickly. Sure. So, so let's, let's maybe go through that exercise just for, sure. for people. So, sure. uh, which I, I should just say, I think is a, is a really smart way to do it. Uh, if you can assign these, uh, either historical figures or, or, or characters, uh, specifically characters, um, uh, largely because if you think about when, uh, when a screenwriter is writing, they, they are absolutely thinking about this, this character and they don't have a lifetime to develop someone. They, they have very specific traits that they're writing for. And so, um, in the case of, uh, how Patton was characterized in the movie, um, you know, they are writing for that personality style and they're making him say and do things that are consistent with that, right. uh, to build that character. And so it's a, it's a good way to do it. So, so who'd you put as the, uh, as, uh, the, the I in disc? Yeah. So influence the, the, uh, character that I come back with is Tony Stark. From the Avengers. From the Avengers. Right. So Iron Man, um, extroverted, um, check. Uh, you know, sense of humor, check, enthusiastic, big picture uh, kind of person. And I guess, you know, he's kind of an interesting character because even though he's a big picture sort of person, he's also this, this guy who's tinkering, right? And so there's a little bit of a detail oriented person, which may or may not uh, comport with somebody who's kind of pure influence, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, kind of impulsive. And so when you're dealing with somebody like that, you know, you, you want, they have big ideas. So you, you really want to uh, understand and get to their big ideas and give them an environment where they can, can kind of um, share that. Um, but, you know, you also know that if you come in and you're controlling the conversation with somebody like that, that's not going to work out very well. Uh, if you're too focused on numbers that are kind of getting in the way of sort of the big picture, mm -hmm. um, that, that probably isn't going to work out the best. So, um, that's, you know, generally, again, uh, just a, an approach or a, a mental framework to use when you're dealing with somebody who is, you know, that kind of inspirational sort of leader. Um, 
and again, adjusting your own personality to, to, to work with them. Sure. All right. So what, what about the S? Yeah. So for steadiness, uh, there's probably a lot of characters that can do it. The one that I land with is Andy Dufresne from oh, Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. Right. Yeah, great movie. Right. A little bit old, but, um, one, nah, of one of my favorite, favorite movies. Yeah, mine too. So a lot of people seem to like it. So again, th- this idea is somebody who's uh, focused on stability, uh, really calm, uh, and patient, right? So, you know, spoiler alert, he uh, <laughs> takes a while to break out of prison. Um, he breaks out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the version I saw. Um, so, but the idea is, right, he enacts that plan with a lot of patience and a lot of deliberateness. And he, you know, he brings calm into this, you know, fairly chaotic prison environment. So, you know, these, we've been talking about these models, you can apply them to work situations, you can apply them to personal relationships. But certainly in a work situation, if you're working with somebody that's like an Andy Dufresne, if you come in and you rush right into business, or if you try and be domineering, right, that's, it's not going to go over very well. Um, So you got to build trust, build a relationship. Um, so that, that to me would be steadiness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, C. Yeah. C again in the disc profile stands for compliance. So this is somebody who likes order and procedure. So, um, uh, <laughs> maybe not the best, uh, analogy, but the compliance person I come up with is C3PO from, from Star Wars. Star Wars. So not even a person. I mean, that's not the, <laughs> close the enough one. though. He's a droid. Well, yeah. So, uh, but, but the idea is tends to be some, somebody who's a little bit more introverted, um, it, uh, tends to follow the rules, but very math centric, right? Very, uh, detail oriented, likes proof, uh, tends to be cautious, can be, you know, very diplomatic, but again, somebody like that, you're going to have to have data that substantiates what you think and why, mm-hmm. uh, because they're, they're not going to feel comfortable making a decision unless they, they have that. Um, and so again, if, with that style, if you come in and you're, too casual, too lighthearted, um, and you know, not um, kind of overly friendly in a way. For, for them, that makes them feel uncomfortable or maybe a little bit suspicious about you. So, uh, kind of like the opposite of uh, the eye, the Tony Stark. A little bit. You sell bit. Tony on the idea; he loves it. Let's go run with it. Yeah. And with C three PO, it's much more. Here's the facts. Here's how it's going to work. How yeah. it's going to lay out. Yeah. yeah. And you you tend to find. I mean, a lot of these models they set up as sort of extreme opposites of each other. And so, yeah, exactly right. Compliance, a pure compliant person, which there really isn't. But if you had somebody like that, they would be very, very different than a pure influence kind of person. And the reality is you have to figure out how to observe cues that people give you to figure out, well, what are their preferences? And then based on those preferences, uh, you're going to be more or less successful depending on how you approach them in a situation. Cool. So when we, you talk about how to approach them in a situation, uh, when, a lot of the times this is used for work-based stuff. Yeah. Um, how are these most useful at work? Well, there's a, there's a couple areas where I've seen a lot of clients use these. The, the first is in, um, in hiring, so talent acquisition. Just understanding um, the nature of the person and, and I, again, I don't think that there's any one particular style that's better or worse than the others. They have strengths and, and weaknesses. So, But if you're hiring somebody, just having the basics of understanding uh, what kind of person are you, are you getting and how does that fit into the role or the job. So mm-hmm. if I were hiring for you know a CPA or an accountant of some kind, 
to your point earlier about the difference between compliance and influence, you know, that's a that's a field that requires you to be a little bit more exacting, a little bit more precise and and um, detail oriented. Well, if you're hiring somebody who's really high eye, mm-hmm. uh, they may not they may self select out of that career to begin with, but you know, it probably isn't going to be the best fit. So it's typically in talent acquisition, it's it's um, understanding versus fit, but it can be used for fit. The second area, in addition to talent acquisition, is just sort of team dynamics. You you will find that there are people who, again, as we said earlier, nobody's kind of a pure any of these things. They're blends. But in any team, you're going to find that folks have uh, different um, alignments to different uh, each of these different models. And so on any team, you're going to have folks who are more dominant, some are more steadiness, some are more compliance, et cetera. And uh, if people are working together, if they've stepped back and sort of done this kind of assessment, uh, it helps them understand each other a little bit better and it, it can contribute to improved team dynamics. Because while the DISC profile is not an, an aptitude test, it is definitely, like you said, a, a, a culture fit and, and uh, will give you an idea like you don't, you don't want to throw three high D's into a group of high D's. Like that probably wouldn't work. Probably it would create some interesting, (laughs) Uh, it would be, it would create some challenges, right? Um, So in addition to those two areas, uh, it also is useful if you're going to be collaborating with clients or customers. So, and I think a lot of sales folks intuitively do this, right? Mm -hmm. They, they get a read on people, and they're able to really, I mean, they're kind of listening with their eyes as much as with their ears. And they, they, they understand, well, what are certain people's preferences based on just things they say or things that they have on the wall or on their desk? Um, and so if you're working with a client, so in our work, we're a professional services firm, a consulting firm. If you're working with clients and you can better understand their styles, well, then how you work with them to come up with solutions, how you work to present information and share recommendations all that stuff can flow downhill from understanding what their preferences are. And in reality, in, in a lot of situations, you're not going to be presenting to just one person. There's going to be a, a room full of people, or maybe there's two or three big, big folks, you know, making decisions and, and being able to understand what she or he is, is how they're going to respond to information and data. It just, it makes you a more effective, mm-hmm. uh, effective person. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I know this really is kind of a, a small tangent, but you mentioned uh, salespeople walking into someone's office or, you know, see uh, visually, I think that these traits can be demonstrated by what people choose to um, have in their office, right. you know, have in their, in their, their home, whatever, um, yeah. like a bunch of family photos, you know, whatnot might say something different than someone who's only has either bare walls or, you know, the periodic chart uh, type of thing. <laughs> yeah. The, the periodic table of elements is maybe a giveaway. Um, but you know, an interesting anecdote, we, we, um, I had a meeting, uh, a number of years ago with a client and it was the first time I was meeting them, came in their office and we ended up talking for 40 minutes about a poster on the wall. Now, the fact that they would talk 40 minutes about a poster on the wall is indicative of, you know, their style anyway, but, but yeah, I mean, I think people, people do and not consciously, but they give those signals is a picture of their families. Is it uh, diplomas? Is it awards that they've won? Is it them with a lot of celebrities as pictures of nature? Those are things that that's, that's information. 
uh, unless they had somebody else decorate for them, which is my case because, you know, it would be a mess otherwise. Nice. So um, if people are interested in kind of figuring out how they apply this or where they can kind of learn more about it, what do you, what do you recommend they do? So I, I, I guess I'd, I'd, I'd recommend uh, a couple steps. First, I, th I think you have to, to figure out the, the scope. So, you know, what are you trying to accomplish with this? Is this something that you're going to use in, in your hiring practices? Is it something you're going to use with the sales organization? Is it going to be something you use with a leadership team? Or are you trying to influence your internal culture? So I, I'd first figure out if you're interested in this and you've never applied it as a company, okay, how do you want to apply it? Um, and then I think the second thing is it makes sense to do a little bit of investigation and figure out which of these models um, make the most sense to apply, whether it's Myers-Briggs or the DISC profile or the Big Five, whichever one makes the most sense for you to use, just do a little bit of research. Uh, and there are, you know, there are firms that really specialize and focus on how do you embed this into your organization. And then I think you pick one and you pick an area and, and you pilot it. Um, you're going to have, um, uh, it's, it's going to be something that if it's done right, it's going to help you as an organization. Mm -hmm. So you might as well have a, a bit of a structured plan of, okay, I'm going to go into this area, but let's pick a small group. So let's just say you're doing something for a whole sales force. I'd pick, you know, a subset of that team and start applying it <clears throat> and see how, how it rolls out and, and then tweak it and roll it out to the broader organization. Excellent. Awesome. Well, Bill, uh, really great information today. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Um, appreciate having you on the podcast. Pleasure to be here. Excellent. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Great.